When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, yo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. This is the CHGO White Sox podcast. Welcome in to our West Loop studios. This is Studio A of CHGO. You can follow us on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. You can follow CHGO Sports at CHGO underscore Sports. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Let's in- Introduce my fellow co-host. We got Herb Lawrence to the left of me. You can follow Hello. him on Twitter, at Ecknerwall23. I always cut you off with that. You want to say it again? No. Okay. Good. And you can, we'll also be bringing in Vinny Duber out in AZ. You can follow him at Vinny Duber on Twitter. He's got great spring training updates on that account, I guess. Uh, and you could see live videos from BP, from, from warm-ups. Uh, he's, he's tweeting out some great stuff. Dallas Keuchel getting blown up by Josh Harrison. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. And today is the final day of Guest Week. It is our fifth and final guest, and we are excited to bring in into the weekend with some fun. We got from the 108, Cherizi. How you, you know, doing, you, man? Good, man. You're going to go into the weekend. You got to have a couple drinks. You have a little happy hour here. I'm, I'm feeling good, man. I, I like what's going on. I, I am a little sad. There's only there's only three chairs. You know, I, it's a beautiful studio, but could only afford three chairs. So beef beef is sitting over there. But I promise you, he's drinking. He is drinking. He's drinking your Goose Islands that you guys brought. Uh, and you can go check out the 108 tourney presented by Goose Island. It's happening all this week. Uh, started on Wednesday, right? Yeah, it did. Start, started on Wednesday. Going today. We'll be going tomorrow. That's when my matchup is. Excited to talk to uh, you guys about that. Um, you can follow Cherizy on Twitter, at Cherizy, C-H-O-R-I-Z-Y, uh, or Cherizy E. Which one is the, the, the legal name? Is it Cherizy or Cherizy E? So I'm Cherizy E. But the I, I didn't want to put any underscores or anything into my <laughs> name, so I just went at Cherizi much easier. If, if I put the E just at the end by itself, it looks like Cherizi, and it's some kind of weird Popeye thing. I, I'm, I'm not into that. So it's just Cherizi on, on Twitter, but it is Cherizi. And we got some drinks going around. You guys yeah. brought drinks, just like Shakia Taylor. You guys are now rising up the guest level. Uh, <laughs> two, two of our five guests did bring some beer. Uh, you guys do What Are You Drinking on the 108 podcast. So uh, Herb, Cherizi, what are you guys drinking? Then I'll, I'll explain my beer. So we got the Sox Golden Ale uh, from Goose Island, which is a, a delicious, delicious golden ale. You got the nice Sox logo on it. There's a, there's a variant can, too, if you could find it with the, with like the, 80, uh, the 83 logo. It's, it's really nice. Really? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's got it's like hard, the blue and red. Hard to find. It's a white, it's a white can with the, with the 83 logo. And we've been talking about this through the pot. Like, are you a fan of the 83s? Like, what, what's the favorite uniform for the Sox? So I like the 83s, but I, I've had enough of them at this point, right? Like, I mean, like, the, we've, we've seen them a lot. Yes, Man, I would, I would love to see the, like, the late 80s come back, like the script, uh, you know, Chicago and the script White Sox. Like, because I kind of grew up with that one. That was, that was kind of the, the right when I was getting into baseball. And I love that jersey. And I think people don't like it because of the hat. And I, I think that the hat can make a comeback, and then we can uh, – that'll be a great one to have. And speaking of that, we like to talk about baseball origins. Why and how did you become a White Sox fan? You're talking about the origins in 83. How did you and the great Beef Loaf become White Sox fans? And I don't know if yeah. people know, 
You guys are brothers. We are. Not we brothers, are. but brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but also. And, <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, like, we obviously, uh, we grew up in Bridgeport. So, I mean, that, that helps being that close <laughs> to the, the stadium. We were on kind of the, the west side of Bridgeport over there. So, it's a little little further of a walk, uh, you know, So, but, but we would go to a couple games a year, you know, like a handful of games a year. And just, uh, I mean, just kind of fell in love with, with the sport. And then, like, I remember growing up just watching you had to watch on like sports channel and stuff i remember begging my parents to get cable i won't comment on how street legal the cable was but we eventually <laughs> got it and I, I mean i think that was that was kind of when we started watching absolutely every game and like i just remember us like we, we would like write down the stats of the players because we didn't want to wait till the newspaper came in and, and like it was we just got engulfed in it when we were very young and i i still love it as much as i did then well i mean clearly you guys still got uh, season tickets you guys got a whole podcast named after a section in sock stadium uh why don't you explain from the 108 the origins of that uh i know beef told me the story before but for people who haven't heard it what's yeah, up no what, i mean like as, as soon as we had a, a few dollars to throw around it was it was we were getting socks tickets together and i just remember me and beef sitting down and we're just like looking at at different sections different seats and we're just like the the one thing i wanted to make sure of that was that we weren't in the upper deck because i'm a sad person who's afraid of heights and like i always hated going up in the upper deck and so i was like i don't want to watch a game from there all the time so we we looked for the cheapest seats on the lower level we found them in section 108 and we, they were aisle seats, so we were, like, even more pumped about them. And we're like, all right, great. We got seat one and two in the section. There's only, like, four rows in front of us because, the, you know, there's, like, the bullpen bar at the time was there. And so we, we get those to the park, and we go sit in these seats, and the foul pole is legit right in front of us. <laughs> like, this cactus is in front of me right now. Like, the foul pole is in front of me in my seats like that. And... We were we like sat there for like five minutes and then we were like, yeah, this is great. That's fine. And so you got that classic view. And now. Yeah. And I mean, now to me, it's it's that classic view. And for most of the rebuild, it was nice because you didn't want to see any of the pictures that were behind that. pole. So it was it just kind of it just kind of worked. It censored my my uh, my rebuild viewing. And for people who don't know, the 108 is you, your brother. And my my sock summer. Okay, and, so, and then there's auxiliary members outside there too. There right? are there's so there are associates. So like wh- one of the things that we we wanted to do when we when we started doing the blog. So we me and me and Beef sat in those seats for about seven eight years before we did any type of blog. Mm-hmm. And in that time, we met uh, my sock summer. He was he was dating one of my friends, and it she brought him a new game. She was like, I think you guys will love this guy. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, we'll see, you know. And then we met him and we're like, this guy, you better marry him, you know. Like, this guy's awesome. <laughs> and so, so, you know, fast forward to, like, 2016, the things that we had been seeing in the stands and, like, the experiences that we were having in the game, we were like, we should just jot this down, just not even for anyone to read, just so that we don't forget about it with our beer-addled brains, you know. And so we started doing the blog and just telling what was happening in the park, what we would like to happen in the park, you know, all these different things, talking about some baseball, some fan experience, and, like, people just started to really get into it. And one of the things that we always tried to uh, do is, was basically say to people, like, look, if you're, if you're that person that has, like, all your friends don't care about baseball or all your friends are Cubs fans and no one's going to go to a Sox game with you, there is a section where you buy one ticket. You buy a ticket for yourself, you show up in that section, and you're amongst friends. And that has been kind of the mantra since day one. And it went from, yeah, people buy one ticket for a game in that section to, like, a lot of people have bought season tickets in that section. You know, our guys like Aloha, Mr. Hand, and, and Wally Money, and Matt Nominson, and a whole bunch of others. You can't Bruhan, forget Bruhan Luke. Bruhan, I, yeah, Bruhan Luke, yeah. He's, he's, he's writing those, those beer blogs for us. <laughs> I can't forget about him. Yeah, I mean, like, the, all these guys just start sitting in, in that section. I mean, and it's, it's just awesome. And, and so you go to that game, and now there's still plenty of places. Grab a, grab a ticket. Come sit, come sit with us, man. It's going to be a great time. We're going to, and now we're going to watch some great baseball, which is even better. Finally. Yeah. And it's weird, too, because you go to, you know, the seating chart and try to get seats over there. You know, it's sparse. And I think you guys have built that place up. As you said, there's people who have bought season tickets over there. Whenever I go and visit, it's always packed. The ones right around there, like the uh, Goose Island uh, 
whatever they call it now, the bar, and then the 110 and 111. Like, I bought tickets to 111 over there free. Like, people were just <laughs> like, there's tickets everywhere just so I can be close to you guys because it wouldn't, there was zero tickets for the game I was available <laughs> for the 108. You guys made that section. Did the White Sox call you and say, hey, man, we want to thank you. Here's a day or something like that. that named should after be you. Something. Yeah, where's the plaque? You know, they, they've actually been pretty nice to us. Okay. Uh, and, and, like, you know, they, we, <laughs> what was funny was we, we saw one of the ticket guys, like, I'm in the, like, the famed section 108 you should come buy tickets in the section and we're like wait that's not our ticket guy like he, <laughs> our ticket guy should be getting that like you know <laughs> but yeah i mean like it's 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 fun and like i i think they've been you know pretty good about it we we got to interview brooks boyer which was uh, i mean the kind of access we did not expect so i mean that was cool so i, I we got to talk a little bit about the 108 tourney uh you're you hated the idea is from what i i understand uh, there's a reason why i'm drinking a 2014 beer too uh in honor of your brother who drinks expired beer yeah. uh so why don't you explain uh why you didn't like the 108 tourney if you're a fan of it now and, and what what's the vibe of it uh you know now in 2022 yeah for sure so I mean, the 108 tourney, so to just give a background of what the 108 tourney is, is, is an idea that Beef Loaf had, and he was like, I think, you know, we've got a lot of a lot of interesting people on Twitter, and this is years ago, so, and he's like, we should do a tournament where they face off against each other, and people vote for who, you know, which account they like better, you know, and me and my sock summer didn't hate the idea of the tournament itself, we were like, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> and I don't want to do a lot of work. So if you want to do that, go ahead and do that. And I swear to God, this, we were, we, we have a yearly meeting where mm -hmm. we come up with, like, we try to come up with a bunch of ideas, like just kind of like write down a whole bunch of ideas for the next year and then try and, and do as many of them as we can. And so this happened at one of those meetings and like, it was at Bader Brow back in the day, RIP and peace. Um, I woke up the next day and I didn't remember anything about this tournament. And so like a week later, beef's like, yeah, I'm, I'm putting together the, the bracket for the tournament. And I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Cause it was like, <laughs> it was like December. And right. I'm just like, the, the NCAA tournament is so far away. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm just going to let it go. And just, we'll see what he's, he's talking about eventually. And he sent me the thing and I was like, Oh yes, we talked about this. And I was like, that still seems like a lot of work. I don't want to be involved. And so, <laughs> but now, I mean, like after, after seeing it, you know, after seeing it play out and, and then, you know, we've, we've done it you know, for years now. Um, the amount of people that get new followers and the, and the, the way that it kind of builds the, the White Sox Twitter community is, is so awesome that like, I can't help but just love it. Like it's, it's awesome. Like, we, we were, we were tweeting about something the other day, and one of the guys who who lost in the first round said, "Was I it gained, beef? I get no. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I didn't say humiliated in the first round. Oh, I, said, that's a good I point. said lost. <laughs> I said lost in the first round. And so one of the guys lost in the first round was like, I gained like 200 followers since the, you, you announced that I was in the tournament. And I'm like, that's what this is about. This is like, you know, go out and if I, this is a way to find a bunch of people in the White Sox Twitter community that you want to you want to you know." follow and and hear from them and, and interact with them and some of the people you're going to follow and you're going to go like i shouldn't have followed this account you, you just click a button on follow it's nice uh, you can remove yeah, followers too which uh, that's <laughs> and and that's a uh, yeah th so i think i've fallen in love with it because of what it does for for the white Sox twitter community and at the start of this i know you guys probably didn't think that it would be what it is now and growing like in your wildest dreams, did you ever think that it would be this? One, from the 108 is a thing. Like, every White Sox fan, I think, knows about you guys and from the 108. And pays homage, goes over to you, says what's up. Steven Nelson from the MLB Network came over and is like, hey, guys, just wanted to say what's up. In a, in a, a rain delay. Yeah. So he, like, trudged through the rain to come do it. I was, I was overly impressed by that. Um, but, it, no, I mean – I definitely didn't expect it to be what it is, especially because some of the things that we're, we're doing, like, you know, we have a, a weekly podcast. We had actively said, we're never going to do a podcast. Like we're, we're just not, <laughs> everyone does a podcast. We're not going to do a podcast. We, you know, we'll sit in the hot tub and talk about, about this stuff. And, uh, and Josh Nelson, you know, who's who we've become really close friends with shamed me into it. He was like, dude, you're a musician. You, you know how to do all this stuff. Just, 
just do it. You should have a podcast. What's wrong with you? And I was like, I almost cried. And I just said, okay, fine, I'll make a podcast. And then, uh, and next thing you know, you know, people were actually paying attention to it. And I think, you know, we, we also, we started doing it live on YouTube because we we're like, part of this is you've got to see us <laughs> drinking and like, um, my sock summers internet freezing up and like, oh, you know, you got to really experience the whole thing. Beef showing up with no shirt on sometimes, you know, like it's, it's, it's a whole experience. So like I, I we try and make it like that. And I think I, I, I did not expect people to like it. Uh, I'm very happy they do. And I, I'm very happy that like a lot of people who may have like thought, you know, there's not white Sox fans like me, you know, weird, uh, <laughs> they now know there are, mm-hmm, and and yes. they know the place to go to be weird at the Sox game. There's thousands of weirdos on Sox yes. Twitter, so uh, that's what that's, that's what I found out. Uh, let's get into some baseball before we uh, we'll, we'll get into some more baseball about you, and then we'll get into some more larger baseball conversation. Uh, if we've been asking this to all of our guests, who's your favorite former White Sox, and then who's your favorite current White Sox? Yeah, so my favorite my favorite former. This was tough because I, I wish. Jose Canseco would have played longer for the Sox because he would definitely be number one. I love Jose Canseco. I love all the steroids. I love it all. Can we? I can I whole, bring up something I love too? The Bigfoot stuff. So not only are you on Canseco, you were also on the A Rod train for for the White Sox to sign him, right? Yes, I was. Towards the end of his career, I was like, you know, you're in a rebuild. Why not? Why not just grab this guy as a DH? That would be fun. Exactly. Have him hit like. Home run Lemmer, you know, 600 and 700 in a, a Sox jersey. Just let him drag on and be here and, and just get all, the, get all the media attention of this guy hitting monstrous amounts of home runs. That's a Sox tradition, getting guys who are <laughs> way past their prime to end their careers. John yeah. Crook, Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr. I, I was at the Jose first Ken, I, I was absolutely at the Ken Griffey Jr. game when he went the first time he played and Soul Glow played as his, his song coming up. I <laughs> almost lost my mind. I was, and But, yeah, so – Canseco would be, but he, he didn't spend enough time. The guy, though, I, I always think of when, when I'm asked this question is Ozzie Guillen. Because Ozzie Guillen was on those teams when I, was, when I was a kid. So I was born in 1980. So as I was just starting to watch the White Sox, Ozzie Guillen was young on that team. Obviously, it was a different game. And so Ozzie Guillen was a star. And on top of that, Ozzie Guillen looked like he could be one of my uncles. Right. Like, so, you know, I think people discount how much that can affect a kid, like yeah. seeing someone that looks like them, you know, that has an accent like their like their grandfather. Right. Like you, you go, ah, I know what this guy's about. I like this. And then, you know, he was he was a great player for the Sox. And, and of course, in a different era, he, he was great at different things. You like if if you sign that guy now, I'd be like, why are we doing this? I don't want you Sanchez. But the <laughs> but. You know, like watching him throughout that, and then he comes back and wins a World Series as, as a manager, you know, he's, he's at the top for me. And plus, his personality is insane. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I will catch, you know, as, as much as I can of him being wild on the Internet, too. Well, and I thought, too, like, if they retire Jose's number, that's the 12th retired number, and then they should retire the 13th number as 13, I think he deserves it, and we've talked about it on this yes. podcast. I mean, if it, as someone who goes to all the games and, and – whenever they're going to have a bunch of the former players out on the field for like something like, so when Mark Burley was honored, we were at that game. And like, if you see the applause that Ozzie Guillen gets, the way that people get excited just at the name of Ozzie Guillen and just at, at him standing up and waving to the crowd, like it's insane that he doesn't have his jersey retired. Like the Chicago fans love him that much. So like I, I would – I agree with you. That would be that would be perfect. Thirteenth, uh, number thirteen. I love it. And who's your current favorite White Sox player? So it's got to be Aloy. Okay. So Aloy, like, again, this is this is part of being at the end. Man, it's I finally get to see him more this season. But like at the end of last season, he's out in left field, and like, I don't know if they show this on on TV because being at the game, I don't know how much they show of, of him out there. Like he pumps up the crowd between pitches. Like, like he's a football player. <laughs> like, it's amazing. And the, the left field is going nuts. And I was like, could we get something like this in right field? I would, I would love it, you know? You're not getting that ball. Adam Engel, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, was he out there looking for his hamstring? <laughs> uh. So, but yeah, so Aloy is, I, I love him. And I, for, you know, since I, what, maybe like two years ago, I've been, going to to points bet because one of our one of our sponsors we 
And I go in there, and they have, like, the, the name of bet thing. Mm-hmm. And I do uh, Eloy 74 home runs, or over 73 and a half home runs I put in there. They've never allowed me to do it. I'm, I'm like, dying. For, I'm like, come on, guys. Let, let me bet this. Let me bet this. Why not let me bet this? And hopefully they see this, and they're able to get that, you know, prop posted. Let Cherizi bet 73 and a half home runs for Eloy in 2022. The best way to support CHGO, funny enough, is to use the PointsBet app and to download the points bet app and you use code chgo when you sign up if you do that right now you get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars so if you want to put a fifty dollar uh you know a, a bet down on eloy to hit over 73 and a half if, if they let you yeah it could be risk-free <laughs> <laughs> but that's not it if you make a fifty dollar or more first time deposit you'll receive a free chgo membership which unlocks all of our web content and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the chgo locker that's two thousand dollars in free bets a free chgo membership and a free t-shirt from the chgo Locker, all for making a first time deposit of $50 or more at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we will help you out. It's your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better with the live same-game college basketball same-game parlays. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live same-game parlay only with PointsBet. And my favorite feature of PointsBet is boosting your odds. If you like your odds, you can make them even better once a day through PointsBet. And sign-up is now available online in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register from your account or register your account from your phone all from start to finish. Plus, during PointsBet's Match Madness, all users can earn up to $100 in free bets. During each round, just place a $50 pregame wager and get a free $20 live bet to be used for that round. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We want to mention CHGO. Obviously, we're having Cherizi here as our guest uh, in the CHGO studios. We are so excited to see the live chat rolling through. Uh, if you want to become a member for CHGO, check out allchgo.com. But you guys have brought all of your your, your people in here. We got, I we got, see him. Uh, you know, Bill Vickers, who was, who was you know, shit-talking Wet Bandit, but also Bill can't keep a Twitter account around. I so mean, like, it's unfortunate. You know, Wet Bandit can at least stay on Twitter, Bill. Uh, but, you know, a lot of great people in there, uh, and Shane Spagnola is uh, going to be in your, uh, your tournament Yumper. next year. So, uh, Little Yumper, who's a uh, Cub fan. He's a Discord member, though. Mm-hmm. He's a part of CHGO. I've uh, talked to him on that. So uh, good to see these people. Fred, who's always here. Yep. And uh, our guy, Zach Byrne, who says, from the 108 and Lockdown Sox got me through the last two seasons. Great community. And that's what we're trying to build here at CHGO. And Alex uh, Rude, ILL. I and I. Uh, <laughs> and he was, he was all mad that you weren't, weren't wearing your Illini gear. What's it's happening? underneath. This shirt is an actual Illini shirt. Oh, there you go. So uh, it's he's underneath. It's I wore painted it, on. I wore it yesterday. <laughs> he's I wore, in full body paint I wore underneath. Yesterday. He showed it yes, to us. And it's coming up, guys. So. If you just see me disappear, I'm over there. I'm just over there, off camera a little bit. And let's go uh, to the other guy that's off camera, our guy, Vinny Duber. He's out in Arizona. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. We got to Vinny a little bit late, but let's uh, catch up. We got spring training the first Friday that you're down there in uh, spring training. Vinny, it's almost been a week of uh, spring training. How's it been treating you? All day, every day. Nothing but baseball and sunshine. Can't beat that, right? I think, you know, Sean, I noticed you're drinking the Labatt Blue there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a little Canadian uh, mind meld going on as I'm rocking the Rush tea today. So, oh, um, hell yeah. Favorite oh, Rush big, album. Big, favorite. Uh, you know what? Uh, weirdly enough, I like the first one, which Neil Pert is not on, but the first one is very good. So, is it 2112? Uh, you're not a Bruce Miles guy who loves Rush. He does. That's true. 2112 is good, obviously. I, I, my favorite song in there, Passage to Bangkok. That's a good one. I was listening to that earlier. Going deep tonight. cuts. Yeah, I can't go that <laughs> steep with uh, Vinny on any music. I, I checked out Vinny's last FM, and he has like 60,000 songs he listens to. And speaking in a year. of another guy who I, loves music, I figured Vinny just listens to Foghat on repeat. Like, <laughs> with, the, with the look, I feel like that was like, that's, that's your money. That's your money go to band. Like, it feels like our Blue Oyster Cult, maybe. No, you nailed it the first time there with Foghat. I think I've got, I think I got the first six albums all on vinyl. I'm, I'm, they're in heavy rotation, no doubt about it. Oh man, I went to a show at Double Door for Halloween. It was, and it was the Las Vegas doing Foghat for, it, like, it was, you know, local H would do these shows where they do all covers and bands show up and they dress up and do the part. And Las Vegas came on and did Foghat, thirty minute set, two songs. <laughs> <laughs> the only Foghat song I know is a. Uh... Low ride, uh, slow ride, slow ride. Yeah, that's the only one I know. What else? I mean, are they known for like Indie God and Vita songs that no, are fifteen minutes long? Well, their songs are long and they're like live too. I mean, you could mm-hmm. just you could just wail on those solos. So yeah, I mean, there's it was. 
I mean, it was two 15-minute songs, and, <laughs> and Slow Ride was one of them. Well, there's your uh, homework, Vinny, for this weekend. Uh, spin some fog hat. But uh, update us on what's been happening in uh, spring training. Uh, any big news today that we need to know about and Sox fans need to know about? Wouldn't go as far to say big news, but some interesting stuff from talking to uh, – we got to talk to Ethan Katz today. So, you know, we uh, basically ran down the entire roster going pitcher by pitcher and getting him his thoughts on those guys. Some more insight into maybe what they're going to do uh, when it comes to Kopech, when it comes to Crochet. I think White Sox fans might be most interested in his answer about Garrett Crochet saying, you know, they might treat him a little bit like Kopech with obviously he's got that future that they plan to be a starting pitcher. They might treat him a little bit like they did Kopech last year, but – one big difference, he's a lefty. There's only two lefties in the White Sox bullpen. So you can't, you know, he was saying last year we could throw Kopech two or three innings and we could say, all right, sit down for a few days. We'll get to you in a few days. And they didn't need to, you know, there was no emergency. They didn't need him because they had all these other righties. Crochet is going to be a different situation because if they do that for him and then they sit him down for two days and they need somebody besides Aaron Bummer, you know, to throw the ball out of the left hand, and he's not available, that could be a problem. So I think it's an added wrinkle uh, into getting Garrett Crochet ready for his future as a starter. But I think everybody right now knows that if the White Sox are going to win the World Series this year, they're going to need Garrett Crochet in that bullpen. And, and he's looked good so far. And I know you asked him about Dylan Cease, specifically his mustache, and how dare him tell him that Dylan Cease's mustache is terrible. Come on now. <laughs> but did he say anything else about Dylan Cease and how he's progressed in the offseason? Uh, interestingly, nothing to worry about. I want to, I want to prep everybody here first, but it sounds like Dylan wasn't able to throw to batters, uh, during the lockout, like some of the other White Sox starters were. So he might be of just the teeniest, tiniest bit behind guys like Lance Lynn, Dallas Keuchel and Lucas Giolito, who were able to do that during the lockout. Uh, I think Ethan said, you know, not being able to talk to the guys during the lockout that maybe hurt cease, you know, or, or hurt him for Cease more than anybody because it would have been somebody who really could have benefited from that constant communication. Uh, I think in terms of Dylan, though, the thing that should get White Sox fans excited is what Ethan said, which is, yeah, yeah, I liked what he did last year, but he's got a lot left to 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 get to and to show. And I mean, considering the guy led the team in strikeouts and by the end of the year was as you know reliable a starter as they had, uh, you know, Cats and the White Sox know that Dylan Cease is going to be re- relied on quite a bit uh, here in 2022, and I think the excitement is that they think not only can he do what he did last year again, but there's a whole other level that he can get to as well. And Cherizi, I forgot to tell you, we were, we were having so much fun before the show. Uh, usually it goes, I ask a question, Herb asks a question, then you'll ask a question. So I'll ask Vinny a question. If you, if you have a question for Vinny, throw it out there. But uh, Vinny, did Ethan say anything bad about your mustache? Just ceases? No. No, it was just about ceases, but I mean, saying that right to my face and, and not mentioning it, I feel like <laughs> right. there was maybe yes. a little uh, undercurrent there. <laughs> I might have to talk to Ethan about that, but uh, no, yeah, it was. Uh, he, he called it terrible. For those who didn't see the tweet, yeah, he called Cease's mustache terrible. Uh, uh, and, you know, you can, you can kind of tell that that's kind of the opinion within the White Sox clubhouse because I think Lucas Giolito, when we asked him about it the other day, just started laughing. So uh, I'm not sure if people are uh, as sold on Dylan's mustache uh, as, as we might be. People who I make fun that. of mustaches are people who can't grow mustaches. Yeah, man. I, you know, I, I might go mustache for opening day now with all this mustache slander. I'll tell you, man, that's, that's upsetting. Uh, Vinny, I, I do have a question. So I, if, if you talk to Katz today, and a guy that I'm interested to see, kind of understand what was behind the signing and, and what they plan to, to do with him, even pitch-wise, is Vince Velasquez. Um, he's a guy, to me, that has way too many pitches, kind of like Javi Vasquez back in the day, where you're just like going like, the, if he just narrowed this down to like two or three pitches, maybe it would be a lot better for him. And in a relief role, maybe that's what they're going for. It, did he expound at all on, on that signing, if he was behind that signing or, or, or why he's here? He is very excited to work with him. I'll tell you that much. I think what, what I can kind of gather from everybody that's talked on him, be, in, be it Rick or Tony or Ethan, is that they've had their eye on this guy for a while. Not necessarily in we need him on this pitching staff, but just – impressed by him as a talent and I think you know there's a reason that this guy has stuck around the major leagues while the numbers have not been what anyone would consider successful numbers particularly in the last few years uh I can tell you right now watching his bullpens he whips the ball in there uh he throws really hard and uh that's that's noticeable and I think folks will probably even notice that well you know from the from the outfield camera on the broadcast 
But uh, I think what it comes down to is remember for all those years we heard, you know, oh, wait till Don Cooper gets his hands on him and, and, and he'll, <laughs> he'll fix him. You know, I think that in, in not a joking way, that's being applied to Ethan Katz and Velasquez just because we obviously saw what he did with Cease and Rodon last year. And not that that is, should be expected to be replicated, but you've got a guy that you brought in to this organization in Katz to be able to do that kind of thing, to be able to turn pitchers who maybe aren't, you know, the slam dunk obvious, oh, they're going to go out and win the Cy Young guys into guys that can be relied upon. I think the main thing to remember with Velasquez is that his role is not expected to be gigantic, but it is going to be very important, especially in the early going, because these starting pitchers, I think Ethan said today, you know, maybe the expectation is they'd go five innings uh, on opening day. And that's very unusual compared to a regular season. So you're going to have, you know, multiple innings in every game that you might have thought would have been eaten up by your starting pitcher that are more maybe going to have to be relied upon for Velasquez. And Katz specifically mentioned Kopech, too, as somebody who might not even get to that five-inning mark right out of the right. gate or throughout the early portion of the season because of the way they're going to be managing his workload. So somebody like Velasquez and obviously Reynaldo Lopez, who we haven't mentioned, but I think would probably be ahead of Velasquez on that depth chart, if so to speak, um, are going to be very important. And when it comes to Velasquez, Katz is going to very much focus on working with him and trying to turn him into somebody that you can rely on out of the bullpen. Sean Ross wants to let you know that he's jealous of your uh, rush shirt, by the way. Uh, and since we're on the Katz thing, uh, his guy, Lucas Giolito, coming in beefed up, uh, you know, 20 to 25 uh, pounds of muscle. Did he say anything about what that weight will do for Giolito, because I know Giolito said it was more about balance and more about uh, making sure that you know he was able to stay strong with his motions and not about velocity. But I, I think you tweeted out or someone tweeted out that he was up to 96, 97 uh, today in his bullpen. Yeah, uh, it was actually yesterday in the live BP or like yesterday in the, the pre live BP bullpen or whatever. But yeah, yeah, 96, 97 sitting 96, 97. So, I mean, listen, Lucas Giolito, I think bulked up to um, avoid injury and to maybe kind of make sure that he is in a better place balance-wise with his body. He said the other day, if I throw 100, great, which, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that would be great. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I think I think what you're hearing from Ethan and Tony both uh, today was that he's just – he's strong. He's stronger. And so, you know, that, that can only be better from an athletic standpoint, and it's obviously going to have the expected effects on velocity if you got more – weight and more muscle behind it you're going to throw it throw the ball a little harder that's uh i'm pretty sure that's physics but i'd have to remember all the way back to high school for that but uh but yeah no lucas is looking lucas is looking strong and from what the guy's saying he's pitching strong too which i think is uh of interest i don't have a serious question Vinny. i just want to know if you play your air guitar way up here so oh. i've actually been told i don't play it all the way up here no i play it down at regular level but what i've been told is that as uh, I consume more adult beverages, the guitar gets smaller. Oh, so yeah. if you go on throughout the evening, it, it, you're ending up doing all your solos all the way down here, no matter what the notes are. You're just hitting all those high notes, man. That, that sounds good to me. <laughs> that's how you do. That's how you do a great, a great solo in a bar. So yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> Since we have two bassists, or I don't know if you're a bassist, Vinny, but you're big into music. Cherizi's uh, a bassist himself. He's got the Baron Plains uh, that he plays in. Uh, so we'll, we'll go with non serious It's a Friday. We can take a you know a day off from hard baseball talk. Uh, favorite bassist of all time, Cherizi. We'll start with you and Vinny. Uh, if you got an answer, think I'm going to have one too. Hey, okay, you know, we'll go. We'll go, we'll go Cherizi, Herb, Vinny. I'm sorry. I'm not going. Even though I play a Rick, I'm not going to take Getty Lee. I'm going to take uh, Geezer Butler. So Geezer Butler's probably won't. It's from Black Sabbath, I just I listen to his bass lines and I can't even believe that someone's playing them. Like they're just <laughs> like they don't even belong in the song, but they fit. Like it's that kind of thing. And I just I can't get enough of him playing bass. I'm gonna go with Mark King from Level 42. He learned to slap bass from Larry Graham, the inventor of the slap bass, and I just love his albums. If you ever listen to Level 42, you know Lessons in Love, Something About You, and there are the deeper cuts. He's awesome. He's just like does a, does a solo bass. You probably haven't heard him. He's nope. the eighties man, level forty two. It's a English eighties band. Vinny? Yeah, me and Sean Ross are on the exact same wavelength here. It's gotta be John Entwistle from The Who, no doubt about it. Oh, it's man, funny. Yes. I'm actually I'm I'm listening to a podcast right now that's that's history of rock and roll, and they're on they're on my generation and uh, going through John Entwistle uh, and 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 those 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 fills in uh, in my generation are 
pretty fantastic, pretty epic, and uh, carried through all the way their career. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with the Who on that one. Who probably, pound for pound, I'd say had the best rhythm section of all time in Keith Moon and John Entwistle there. So that's where I'm it's, going. It's hard to argue with that rhythm section. Just incredible. <laughs> and, and, like, they made Pete Townsend so rich. It's unbelievable. It's <laughs> like when I, when I steal all the 108 money from Beef and, and My Sock Summer, it's, that's, they're basically Entwistle and, and, uh, and Moon over there. Hopefully, hopefully better ending than Moon. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm glad I brought that up, too, because, I mean, we're, you're enjoying a beer. We're talking baseball, and that's, that's true bullshit right there. Uh, let's get into some more uh, you know, serious stuff. Uh, Scott Merkin, uh, you had an exclusive with Tim Anderson, and he mentioned that he wants to win something dope uh, for, for Jose Abreu next year. And then Scott Merkin got to talk to Tim Anderson, too, and Tim Anderson he wants, said he wants to be a Sox for life. And then at 10 a.m., the White Sox tweet out this video of Tim Anderson getting ready to at least make an announcement. Uh, it's like an 18-second video where he's sitting down and he's about to say something. Uh, and they teased it for March 22nd, 2022. So we've talked a little bit about this White Sox for life uh, concept, one of them being Gilito, one of them being Abreu. Uh, let's talk about Tim Anderson now, especially after he made these comments. Vinny, I want to go to you first because obviously there's been comments and talks about an Anderson extension for a while. He won't be a free agent until 2025. But what's the vibe in the organization and, and in the clubhouse right now about Tim Anderson being a white sock for life. Well, I'll tell you this, he, he certainly should be. That's my, just my opinion on it. But I mean, this guy's the face of the franchise. He's as much as people might uh, roll their eyes when I tweet stuff like this, I think he's very much one of the faces of baseball with what he's been able to uh, do from a, you know, having fun standpoint the last few years, you know, the bat flips and obviously that in, incredible moment in the field of dreams game i don't know how national folks couldn't be you know taking notice of this guy at this point but here in chicago and especially on the south side he's a guy who is 100 percent the face of the franchise and they have just taken everything that he's about and made it their marketing campaign right made it what this team is about he and her we talk about it all the time he's 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 the guy on this team he makes them go from a baseball and a non-baseball standpoint uh, so certainly when it comes to deserving to be that guy, he should be. The White Sox should be wanting to do that because it's just, you know, a, a, a PR uh, success story waiting to happen to have him in that same uniform for his entire career. Now, that all being said, Sean, I'm going to go ahead and play my usual role here of debunking your conspiracy theories with, uh, with that tweet that was sent out today. Uh, no, I, I don't see it. That's a very un, that would be a very unusual thing to do for not only the White Sox but any real team, you know, to to kind of keep a uh, contract extension under their hat for several days moving forward uh, and have nothing about that get out at all. This strikes me something as more of a collaboration with Tim. Tim, we know from following mm -hmm. him on social media, is is all about kind of the branding aspect of being a pro athlete as much as he is the you know, the baseball part of being a pro athlete. Uh, so yeah, maybe we're seeing something like, you know, I know the White Sox have that clothing line, that 35th and Shields clothing line. Maybe something like that is coming to the Chicago Sports Depot or think about, you know, maybe there's an in-depth interview with him coming that's going to drop in a few, you know, several parts or something like that. That seems more something that is... Uh, social media ready than something as newsy as a contract extension. Uh, and, and obviously I'll let you guys respond, but we've got some comment, uh, you know, some comments from Rick Hahn on this exact topic from back in November when we talked to him at the GM meetings. Yeah, let, let's read that. Uh, he said, I don't think Tim's a pressing matter right now with a few more years of control, but Tim's been outstanding for us, similar to Lucas in terms of his leadership and the way he represents us off the field and performance on that. That was obviously a guy we signed early in his career to a long-term deal, and he's rewarded us ever since. And the Giolito's brought up there because the questions before uh, the question about Tim Anderson being extended uh, was about a Giolito extension. So, it, you know, nothing too connective there outside of the fact that they, they both can be extended. I want to go to you guys, though, because some we've talked about is the White Sox like to work in the dark herb. They like to work under pressure. And Vinny, you've brought this up many times. When they do do extensions, it's early in the season. They like to get them done and out of the way as quick as possible. So do you think it's on Rick Hahn's mind, Herb, that a Tim Anderson extension could be possible? Uh, I don't think he is worried about that too tough. Like they said, he's still signed for a couple more years. So there's it's not a pressing matter. It would be a thing that would be... Great for White Sox fans to hear. It's nice, goodwill. I mean, the whole Tim Anderson story from him 
playing basketball, not playing basketball anymore, and then picking up baseball as a junior. <laughs> and then, like, the White Sox picking up from a, a drafting him from a community college down mm-hmm. there. It's a really great story, and it should be a movie eventually. Tim is Chicago now. Like, he lives in the city or he lives in the surrounding areas. He got, has his family here. He exudes Chicago. Like, when you think about the White Sox, you think about Tim Anderson first. At least I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you were to lock him up for the rest of, the, of his career or whatever, give him a long-term deal, I think every White Sox fan would be like, that's what we need. Like, that's our leader. Like, Jose Abreu might be the captain, but when I think about White Sox and I think about the attitude on this team, T.A. is the guy. He makes everything go. Herb, what do you think, man? Like, so if, if we're looking at market value for a shortstop of his caliber, you're probably in the $20 million range, right? I mean, like, that's that's about where you'd be. I mean, like... And, I mean, on the open market, I don't know what like, Tim makes, but, but he's kind of like Jose Abreu. Like, he's more valuable to the White Sox than I, he is on the open market. And I think Chicago is valuable to him. Yes. Right? Like, the, if you're talking about branding, which is something that Major League Baseball is awful at, and, and so are Major League Baseball players. Like, the fact that no one outside of baseball fans knows who Mike Trout is is uh, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the Angels... Need money somehow. Uh, it's a, like, I think that like Tim Anderson in Chicago, being a star in Chicago is is huge, and I think he he knows that. I think the team knows that. And I, if I were guessing at what this kind of this video from Bridgeport Arts Center is, I could tell by the tree lines. I grew up three three blocks away. <laughs> uh, I could I would say that they're building towards that. Mm-hmm. And that I could see after this season, when he gets into the, the 14 and a half, uh, you know, like 12 and a half, 14 and a half uh, years, that they could go, let's do seven and, and 126, and we're going to pay you like 18 million a year, and you're just going to be here until you're, you know, in your mid 30s. I think that that makes all the sense in the world. He's a player that's going to age well, even if he ages out of shortstop. That guy at third base with that cannon. It's going to be fine. And he can, if he sits back a little bit and hits for more power when he goes to third, I'm here for it. And like you said earlier, when you, baseball's dwindling in their African-American stats, and when you see a person that you see that, hey, he looks like me. I mean, when I was a kid, I saw a lot of black guys playing baseball, and they were superstars. Frank Thomas, King Griffey Jr., Tony Gwynn, all around baseball. Now it's dwindling. You see Tim Anderson, and he's unapologetically black and unapologetically himself. Now, I think that's why he's become a good player, because after his friend died, uh, got killed a couple years ago, he's like, F it, life's short. Why would I be in a box what baseball wants me to be in? Let me be who I am. Let me throw my bat. Let me have a good time. We're playing a game. So I think the freeing of himself from being the baseball guy and being himself has made his game right. And people can see that like everybody gravitates to him. Like there's not a white dude, black dude, Mexican dude who doesn't like Tim Anderson, who's a white Sox fan. They love his antics. If it's I, awesome. If I told someone that Tim Anderson grew up on the South side of Chicago, they believe it. <laughs> like oh, right. they would, they would absolutely believe it in one second. Absolutely. Uh, 81st and Sagamon. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's interesting. You bring up the contract situation uh, right now with uh, shortstops. Lindor makes the more 34.1 million this year. Seager makes the second most 33 million. Gee. Bogart's at 20 million. Baez at 20 million. And then it drops off Turner, 18.5 Crawford at 16 Gregorius at 15.2. Uh, Tim's on this list at nine at 9.5. So deal. Yeah, it is a deal. Um, but even then at that point when they reached out to him uh, and made that extension, he wasn't that player. You talk about the growth that he has made. Um, and I just watched a, a piece about Jackie Robinson just the day ago from Foolish Baseball. And they talked about, you know, what his college career was, Jackie Robinson. His worst sport was baseball. Yeah. He batted like 097 yeah. at UCLA. He was horrible. And he was like, you know, a, a, tra- a star track uh, guy, a star basketball player, a star football player. Uh, so it is interesting because I do think that, you know, Tim really hasn't had his best season yet, which I think is the most... I mean, scary if, if you think about it, like in in terms of like structured baseball that he's been a part of, he's like 11 years in. <laughs> Bryce Harper was 11 years into that when he was 12 years old. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, like so, like it's a, it's a, a a very huge gap of like what like the learning curve on this and his ability to start learning at such a late age and becoming as good as he is, mm-hmm. and like every year something gets better with Tim. 
Right. You know, and, and it's, nothing it's, else drops off either. Yeah. Like, so all the rest of the stuff stays at the level or goes higher. It's 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 a joy to watch. And like and, and again, he's he's a guy who brands himself very well and can recognize that yeah, being in Chicago is better than being in another city. Like maybe Atlanta is a better you know, like a comparable city, but like there's not many that I think that would be a perfect city for, for Tim to be in. And I, I just hope that they take advantage of it and that he takes advantage of it and they, they make this official. I, I'm not going to guess they do it this year, but I think they build to it. And in the off season, that's, that's a huge, uh, that's a huge sign. right there. Yeah. The only thing that really stuck out to me was when they had March 22, 2020 was that fact that they used Tim Anderson's like brand fonts, like the, the March, uh, the a in the March had a very specific Tim Anderson a, uh, so, I mean, you know, again, I'm a crazy white Sox fan. And of course I want Tim Anderson to be a, white, a lifelong white Sox fan. Cause it makes Jersey buying easy as hell for me. Uh, but Vinny, <laughs> let's go out to you because I, I, I want to talk about Tim as a leader. Um, Zach Granke just signed with the Royals. I watched his introduction uh, press conference to uh, KC or reintroduction uh, press conference to KC, and he talked about how leaders, you know, really form at the start of the season. Uh, leadership in the White Sox clubhouse um, is, is it Tim Anderson, and is it clearly Tim Anderson, or is there like an interesting dichotomy because obviously Pito's there as well. Uh, what, what's leadership like in that clubhouse that you've observed? Yeah, I think it's multiple people, and I think too you got to remember that there are you know different groups of people in that clubhouse. You know, I think. Uh, Jose Abreu is so valuable as a leader to everybody, as I was just mentioning yesterday, but, you know, valuable as a mentor that can be joined at the hip to those young Latin guys. Right. And so and then I think you look at a guy like Lance Lynn, who's, uh, uh, you know, comes in, you know, he hasn't been here as long as those other guys, but he has the veteran experience to go along with the personality to really take the pitching staff you know, under his wing and, and, and entirely. I talked last year to now a former White Sox pitcher, Cody Hoyer, who had just talked endlessly about how Lance Lynn was there with him for all those bullpens and, and, and talking to him about everything that was going on. So uh, Tim Anderson is the obvious, you know I mean? And I think he's been here so long and I think everybody gravitates toward him like you guys were talking about. Two bits that I got last year that really jumped out to me was when this White Sox team was ready to go, from rebuilding to contending. It was spring training of 2020. Uh, Joe McEwing told me that Tim Anderson went into then manager Rick Renneria's office and said, thanks for getting us here. We got it from here. We're going to take over. We're going to take over this, uh, the, the leadership aspect of this. We're going to take over this team and we're going to be the ones who are going to push toward that World Series goal. And then last year too, when Billy Hamilton comes in and joins the team, Billy Hamilton, very famously, is not somebody whose offense can match his defense or his team. <laughs> but Old. Billy Hamilton hated hearing that. And Billy Hamilton had gotten to the point where he started believing it because he heard it so much. And it took Tim Anderson to say, no, no, you, you believe in yourself. You do, what you, you do what you think you can do. I'm going to be here to supply the confidence with you as well. I think you can do this. And I think you need to think that you can do this. And, you know, it didn't maybe necessarily show up in the results. Billy had a few nice moments throughout the year, but it's just that attitude. And I think that's what Tim Anderson brings to everybody. We talked about it earlier this week when they added Josh Harrison, Josh Harrison sounds a lot like that. And that, you know, this confidence, this whole, I don't, I don't care how many times you've struck me out in a row. I'm going to get you this time kind of thing. That's what everybody says about Tim Anderson and to, have that attitude that is a leadership attitude you throw on top of it the fact that he's the leadoff hitter and he can physically tangibly get things going from the leadoff spot but then intangibly he's the guy on the top step of the dugout telling everybody you know let's go let's let's do it and he and and herb you, you absolutely nailed it on in every aspect of his life not just his game he decided i'm gonna be me and i'm not gonna apologize for it and it shows up in fun ways, like with the bat flip, you know, and, and stuff like that. But it shows up in, in very baseball ways, too. Like, you know what? Tim Anderson doesn't walk very much. And Tim Anderson doesn't care that he doesn't walk very much because it means he's going to get some hits. He's going to get more hits than if he tried to walk. He's going to get a win a batting title and hit over 300. He doesn't he, – his game is what his game is. Would he like to – maybe make a few fewer errors in the field. Yeah, he would like that, but he's not going to stop making the plays that nobody else can make Damn with straight. his athleticism in order 
to, you know, just shave down on a few errors. And I think that unapologeticness needs to be appreciated, not just from his personality and the stuff that he does that makes everybody cheer, but actual baseball as well. And you can see it mirrored in his game as well as in his life. Well, and it's interesting you bring that up about like the defense part too. Is I mean, he's improving defensively. I mean, you look at his hitting, like 2019, 2020 were his, his two best years, and, and 2021, uh, he was still an above average hitter, but last year was his most valuable position I, or uh, season because of his defense. I'm kind of excited to see, you know, like it, this is maybe the one thing that I'm most excited about seeing Josh Harrison in the middle of the infield with Tim Anderson about is that Harrison is a, an excellent fielder Mm -hmm. and like if if he can show Timmy just a few things you know just kind of bring that defense up a little bit you know we were talking about music earlier you know you you look at guys when they go play in bands with guys that are just incredible musicians they're like oh man I got better just playing with that guy like I can't imagine what's going to happen if he if if Harrison and Timmy get you know get together and are really working well together Kind of like when you saw Cease talking about Lance Lynn and showing him things. I would love to see Lance Lynn show uh, uh, Vince Velasquez what's wrong with his four-seamer. <laughs> like, th- there's some guys on this team that, that are older now that we're bringing in, and if they can work with some of these younger guys, and that one is the one that I'm most interested to see, is how does, how does Timmy's defense elevate working with Josh Harrison day in, day out? Yeah, I'm interested to pick your brain in, in, on our next topic, too. But first, got to pay the bills. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but you will, if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up the fastest sports book easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Let's move into the next topic. And we had Josh Nelson on uh, yesterday and he I drove him home, uh, funny enough. And he mentioned that I need to bring up your baseball mind. He's very high on your baseball mind. We've seen it, you know, on, on effect right now. It's, it's been a show for the past, you know, hour. Uh, great baseball mind you have, Terezi. When we talk about the White Sox and spending money, how do you view the Sox and, and their, I guess, hesitancy to go out and make a big splash? They've never had a franchise player signed for, or a player signed for over $100 million for a single contract are you happy with the way that the offseason is, season is gone? What's your vibe? Well, it's 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 funny, right? Because it, I hear this all the time of like, hey, the Sox never spend $100 million on a guy. It's like, well, yeah, but if you spend $70 million on nine guys, you know, that adds up, right? Like, so so what what you're seeing right now is uh, I think we've all heard the, the phrase, the money will be spent. The money has been spent. Mm-hmm. There's a, We're the top five payroll at mm-hmm. this point. Gonna and be sick soon after the Phillies signed Castellanos. Well, the Phillies are already not. in. Are the Phillies already in front of us? No, they're at one eighty two. We're at one eighty three. I think. Well, then we're four and five either way. So I think uh, I think the team behind us is or is the it Padres. the Phillies? That are right yeah. Behind? So I have Mets at two forty nine, Dodgers at two forty, Yankees at two thirty five, Padres at one ninety five. Oh, okay, yeah. and then White Sox one eighty three, and then Phillies at one eighty two. Right. So yeah, if they sign Castellanos, then they'll pass us. But I mean, it's still a top. It's going to be a top ten payroll going into the year. Mm-hmm. You know, like and so a hundred and eighty something million dollars. You know, that's that's the money being spent. Right. You can argue with I don't like the way the money's being spent, but I think you need to change the narrative of Jerry's cheap to Rick Hahn didn't appropriate the money properly. Right. I mean, I think that that's a reasonable thing to say. There's there's no reason that Craig Kimbrell needs to be on this roster. Right. Like if 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 that is the, if if there's no money left at 183 and that's why you can't sign uh, Conforto, then that's because you chose to exercise an option on a guy that, I mean, Jesus, I knew you couldn't trade him. Like, <laughs> if I know you can't trade him, the GM should know you can't trade him. So, like, of course, like, there's there's reason to say, hey, I don't like the way that we've laid out this this money. We, we have spent the money, but the way that we spent it 
was maybe, you know, not the way that I would have. However, there's still time. Yeah. There's st- we're not at the beginning of the season yet. So maybe he has a way to trade Craig Kimbrell, right? Maybe the, the money goes up to $200 million and he has some guys that he can, he can get. Like, I'm, I'm not going on on a limb and saying, like, Rick Hahn messed this up at this point, but I'm certainly going to be critical of him, of some of the changes that or some of the things that he did, some of the, the reads that he made on the market, right? I mean, I think we could all argue in hindsight that, yeah, you probably should have extended uh, the qualifying offer to Carlos Serdan. You probably should not have. Rodon. You probably see, should not have picked up. We, got, we picked all the great you, guests. You all probably, five you guests probably want probably should Rodon not back. have picked up the option <laughs> on Kimbrell. If you're going to spend $7 million on a second baseman, why wouldn't you just keep the guy that you have that is a switch hitter when you said that you wanted to get more left-handed? Instead, you go out and get uh, Josh Harrison, who's as far as I know, right-handed. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> correct. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of these things where you're like, did you misread the market? And there's too many of them to, to really feel like, to feel confident that if they are going up to $200 million, that the last $17 million will be spent appropriately. And we can all probably agree that $17 million is not enough to get Conforto. So I, I think, well, while you're at the point of... Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think I got I got dinged. Yeah, I, you got, you got their time's start, up. Thank you start, for your thoughts. We're starting the Oscar music. <laughs> no, I'm saying you're correct. But but at the end of the day, um, I mean, I, I feel like we we have to just change the narrative if we're going to complain as Sox fans. We can't go with the they're cheap. We have to go with you know you should have spent this money better. I mean, their handedness both in the pitching staff and on the batting on the lineup is ridiculous. It's, it's offensive like, as a lefty. Like, it's all <laughs> pretty much all right-handers, and as Josh brought up, the lefties they have in the lineup are switch hitters. Yeah. So, like, to have an actual guy, except for Gavin Sheets, who I don't know how many bats he's going to get, that are not just actual lefties. Like, giving you that type of a, a bat from the left-handed side, it's weird. It's very odd for a team that's competing for a championship to be so right-handed, both in the pitching staff and on the batting order. You forgot Zach Collins. Uh, Vinny, Stop when, when you, uh, when you talking, should forget Zach You should. Uh, for, first at-bat in spring training, he goes down on four pitches, Ugh. which is, you know, uh, makes sense. Uh, Vinny, let's go out. Uh, we don't have to trash on Zach Collins when we go out to you, but uh, <laughs> when talking to Rick Hahn about left-handedness or, or just handedness of the team, uh, has he mentioned anything about th- their – philosophy their their theory or or why they are so right-handed dominant well i i I remember this conversation dating back a while right i mean i think this has been a a thing for a few years now if i'm not mistaken i feel like i've heard rick hahn ask this question you know for some time and i think the again if i'm not mistaken the answer that he typically gives is one that makes sense which is Ideally, you'd like to be balanced, right? You, you would want that balance, and, you'd, and, and I think that that's a, uh, everybody would agree with that. But I think also he points to the fact that, and, and Tony has too, your right-handed hitters are good. You know, and, and I think that that's, you know, it, it, it would be one thing if, you know, Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson and, 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 and Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert were only good against one hand of pitching. Or, or, or the whole lineup plummeted every time you faced one certain hand of pitching. But those guys are all-star caliber hitters, and an all-star caliber hitter has to be able to hit both hands of pitching. We talk a lot about the Vaughn Sheets platoon, and we'll see how that works out. Who knows if it'll even be a platoon if they grow in their second years in the big leagues and are, and are able to kind of level out those splits a bit. You know, I, I, again, I think it's a matter of what would be ideal, and do you want to blow up something that – seems like it's a good thing just to achieve one other thing that you also, you know, in a perfect world would exist. I don't know how good of an answer to that question that was, Sean, but my point being that, you know, uh, there's a, a lot of, as there should be, because the, the, the expectations are what, they're, what they are, there's a lot of nitpicking that goes on because nitpick, and, you know, those small things make the difference at the end of the year, as, as, as we saw when the White Sox were uh, eliminated in the ALDS last season. But as we go into the season, if you're happy with what that lineup looks like, the R or the L shouldn't matter as much as the rest of the letters in the guy's name. That that's that's my thought. For sure. Yeah, and I just wanted to know because like 
lineup construction is is interesting to me. And I, I know that, you know, you look at Conforto, I, I think that he would thrive in Sox Park. Uh, but we've talked about this on the podcast before. The idea of when the Sox spend money, it's, I think, in the wrong positions. Like, you, you go out and spend $72 million on a catcher. I love Grandall. Don't get me wrong. You go and spend $54 million on a closer. I love Hendricks. Don't get me wrong. But those two guys combined together would give you around, you know, $120 plus million to spend, which could upgrade right field, could upgrade your DH who's going to see 600 at-bats. So do you think that he's mismanaged those assets when it comes to Grandall and Hendricks, or are you fine I'm, with those signings? I'm I'm less concerned with him going and saying, I see this opportunity to go to the, the top of the market and grab the best guy mm-hmm. available for this position and shore up that position. I've got no problem with that. The problems I have is when it seems that he's misread what's going to happen in the market, right? I mean, like second base is a good op- a good example of that. Like it it definitely seemed like he thought there was going to be players there that were going to be available to him. Maybe he thought Trevor Story was willing to switch to, from shortstop to second base, which I guess now he's saying he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that the the money ain't there, but so I mean, like there's there's scenarios like that where you you look and you say. Did he misread what was actually going to be available or what people were going to take or what people were going to be priced at in these areas? And if that's the case, that's more concerning to me than him going and saying, the best catcher is available. We need a catcher. I'm paying top market to get this catcher who's awesome. I got no problem with that. Give me give me that all day. And and I at the, if you're looking at a game, you know, if you're sitting there watching, you want the best closer. Right. Like you want a guy who's going to come in to like some really kick ass music and run down there and go out there and just throw strikes and get people out like that's that's what you want. So, yeah, pay all the money for that. Like, I have no problem with those things. It's just when we get to to points where we're like. We're at the you know, at these decision points of, okay, we need to make a decision on if we're going to keep this guy or not. And you look at the market and then you misjudge it. That's where I'm more concerned, and that it's so, and and that's what we're seeing this off season with with right field and second base so far. Well, even in closers too. I mean, like before you jump in, Herb, yeah. like uh, you know, Kenley Jansen's still out in the market. Like Kimbrel, if he was cut, they they bought him out at one million. He still might be on the market right now. He probably he probably would be, or would sign for for far less. Right? Yeah, and right. I think it's not a problem to strengthen a strength. So getting last year Kimbrel from the Cubs was a good move. No matter how the results turned out, getting the best closer in the National League to pair with the best closer in the American League, awesome move. But like you said, I think he misjudged the market, and he knows his owner. He knows that Jerry's going to only allow him to spend a certain amount of money. So if you know that, yes, go and get some relievers. Go and get Joe Kelly. Go and get Kendall Graveman. But also save some of that powder so you can go and get the right fielder and or DH. You know that these moves have to be made under Jerry's budget, which is he's not cheap, but he has a number that he wants to spend, a number that he gives to Rick, and Rick has to follow those numbers. Because does it look like he's going to spend anymore? It looks like it's it's over. Well, if he does, he does. That'd be great. But it doesn't seem like they're in a let's, let's rush say, to do it. Let's say they're going to give him to two hundred million, right? And he's got like seventeen million left. Like was signing Joe Kelly to put him on the IL the best move maybe not right like I, I like I don't know and, and so we don't know all these things but like you can kind of read into it and see like what is available to him like I can't believe that Rick Hans would spend his last what, what was it nine million dollars on a guy that's that we don't know when he's gonna pitch nerve right? damage like so, yeah I mean with the, the bummer had that injury right I mean like in Bummer's whole season was trashed like we can't Kelvin Herrera this again (laughs) if that's the last money you've got to spend so like either he doesn't he either he has more in the tank to spend or he blatantly mismanaged that money well and let's get some quick hitters uh just yes or no uh we we saw some signings last Friday after we did our show Josh Harrison Vince Velasquez and Joe Kelly uh Vinny do you think they add to the team over the weekend yes or no over the just in the next two days, yeah, just in the next two days before Monday, because Herb, Herb was predicting a, a signing yesterday, uh, and then he brought this up yesterday that you know we saw signings last weekend, so maybe there'll be signings this weekend. Yeah, I'm not going to put a time frame on it, but I think the answer in general is yes. Okay, Herb, yeah. no, I'm going to say no again so they can sign some people because <laughs> it's it happened last week. Our guest, Cherizy, 
I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say they, they somehow trade for Austin Meadows over the weekend. Jesus. <laughs> I'd love that. I, 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 gas I, over here. Sign, Damn. sign me up for Austin Meadows. Uh, that was our great guest, Cherezy. <laughs> E, you can follow him on Twitter. the wolf. At Cherizy. That's <laughs> C-H-O-R-I-Z-Y. Thank you to Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. And thank you to Vinny out in Arizona at Vinny Duber. Go check out his great work at allchgo.com. We have a free article up there. He talked to Tim Anderson about Jose Abreu's feature. That one is free, but all of our members can enjoy Vinny's great work out in Arizona by signing up to be a member at allchgo.com. Thank you to Cherizy and B for stopping by. Go check them out from the 108com at from the 108 on Twitter. I'll be in the 108 tournament tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to go kick Winkle Jones's ass. <laughs> Let's go. I'm voting for it. the other guy. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at I'm, Sean underscore I'm still w salty. Underscore Anderson. Yeah, shout out to Shane for, uh, for beating job, you Shane. by 0.2%. Uh, this is the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Again, for Herb, for Vinny, for Cherizy, I'm Sean, and we'll talk to you next week here on the CHGO White Sox podcast.